Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. We're glad you chose to listen today. We believe that God is waiting to speak to you. If you have any questions about today's message, please contact us. We're here to help. Now sit back and join us for the next few minutes. It's Day 3 Live, and it starts right now. Good morning. Merry Christmas, almost, huh? Amen. Amen. I, th- I think you'll see in the message why we ought to feel just like that and more so uh, in Christmas season, even how crazy this year has been uh, to this point. Uh, that's why we're doing this series called Trust. It's not a traditional Christmas series at all, uh, but I felt like that's where we needed to uh, focus uh, in this time because of everything that had been taking place. Uh, thus far in the series, we've asked you, where is your trust? And kind of walk through Psalm 20. Uh, we've uh, also asked you, how much of your heart uh, are you really trusting God with? Because in Proverbs 3, it says to trust Him with all of your heart, not part of your heart. Last week, we were in Jeremiah 17, and really uh, an easy contrast there, you know, do you want to uh, plant your life in a desert, or do you want to plant your life like you're by a stream? And if you reject Christ as your Savior, it's like you're stuck in a desert. If you're trusting in God, you've got this available stream that you can rely upon. Today, I want us to look at this question, what are some results of trusting God? What are some results of trusting God? And like I said, it's not a traditional Christmas uh, message, but there will be some Christmas elements in it, I think. Um, I, I know it's not the average thing that we focus on this time of year. But when you think about what Christmas represents, God becoming man, uh, being the God-man, uh, living a sinless, perfect life in this world, eventually going to the cross and dying on the cross for our sins, uh, so that through faith in Him, we can have everlasting life, uh, That is why he came, but that also means this. He came for us to trust in him, amen, because we have to trust in those things. So he came for us to trust in in him. Um, If you would turn with me to uh, Psalm 37 and uh, verse 1 through 7, a lot of Bibles uh, have a heading in front of this psalm. Uh, My Bible had this heading, he will not forsake his saints. That's enough of a message for this morning, isn't it? (laughs) that he will never forsake his saints. Stand with me in honor of God's word, and let's read uh, verse 1 through 7, and then we're going to break it down. And, and I want you to see uh, about five main um, great results or great benefits that we can have of, of trusting God. Uh, begin in verse 1, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as light and your justice as noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Let's go to the Lord in prayer just for a minute. John Marlowe, would you lead us in prayer, please? Amen. 
So we're going to try and see five great results of trusting God in those verses. Like I said, there'll be a little bit of Christmas elements that we'll uh, bring into it also. Here's the first great result of trusting God. Trusting in God can set us free from worry and envy. Trusting God can set us free from worry and envy. Um, It's a particular type of worry, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But look at verse 1 and 2, and we'll see why I'm, I'm saying that. In those two verses, here's what the Bible says. Fret not yourself. Uh, that's easier said than done, isn't it? A lot of times we fret, we worry, we, we sit around and uh, grovel around stuff that's happening in our lives. But fret not yourself because of evildoers. It's talking about a specific type of worry or a specific type of fret here. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and they will wither like the green herb. So as we look at how we ought to trust in God, and that set us free from worry and envy, we need to recognize when we're fully doing that, when we are fully trusting in God, fully trusting in God means there's really no reason for us to fret. If you're really, really trusting in Him, then why worry about whatever's going on in the world, whatever you might be facing in your life, if you're really trusting in Him? He said, fret not yourself, but then He said, because of evil doers. So a specific type of worrying or, or fretting that He's talking about here in these verses, the, the word itself, fret not yourself, it literally means this. It means you blaze up. It means you get mad. You get angry. Uh, you get jealous. You get frustrated uh, over evildoers because of evildoers. Uh, That's someone that's just doing what's morally wrong, absolutely doing the opposite of what God desires for them to be doing. Now, guys, let me be just transparent myself. It's real easy for me to look at our culture, look at everything that's been taking place, especially when you start seeing two different standards. Uh, it looks like to me, presented in our world, you know, different standards for justice. You've got some, because they are somebody, that there's a different standard of justice. I mean, there's even been things in this past uh, year and months to where someone will say, well, I never said that, and yet we can play a video of them saying exactly what they said they never said. And uh, and there's all kinds of things the media has ignored and uh, and all, and, it, and it's just like it, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter if someone's doing uh, wrong. Well, that bothers me when there's a double standard, because had I done some of the things that some people have done that we know about, that we see in the news, they would have put me in jail and threw away the key. <laughs> but when I see a double standard there, when I see that there are people that are practicing evil, they're evildoers, it, it makes me, one, it makes me kind of flare up and get angry about that, because it's not right that they should be treated differently. And, and it also maybe gives us a tendency to do this sometimes. It maybe gives us a tendency to uh, think, well, they're not being punished for what they're doing. Why don't I just do whatever I want to do in my own life? But he's telling us not to, not to worry, not fret about that. Now, you'll see why more fully in just a minute, why we shouldn't fret because of evil doers. But um, that double standard just uh, causes me to flare up some. When, when we focus on trusting God... There's no reason to fret, but also when we're focused on trusting God, there's no reason to be envious of others. He said, be not envious of wrongdoers. The, the phrase there for be not envious means to be zealous or also to be jealous and envious of a wrongdoer, or someone that's distorting morality. There's a lot of that in our world today, isn't it? Morality is being distorted all the time. Matter of fact, they're wanting to change the standard of morality. So it's being distorted all the time in in our world. And and here we're being told, though, not to be envious of it. I kind of rubbed shoulders with it just a moment ago. But honestly, in our flesh, and if if you'll be honest, you'll have to admit, maybe you felt like this sometime or another in your life. I don't mean it's the focus of your life, but all of us sometimes have probably felt like, you know what, I'm trying to serve Jesus, and, and, and it's real difficult in my life and everything, and yet here's someone not serving Jesus at all, and they're just an evildoer, and they're getting by, and they're having plenty of fun, and they're having plenty of money. I wonder if I ought to just live my life like they're living their life. You, you get envious of, of that because it doesn't seem like there, there's a payday coming for them. <laughs> but we need to keep looking at our Scripture here because look what it also says. It tells us this, that the evildoer who might make you worry or might make you envious will fade and wither. Look at what it says in the end of verse 2. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither 
like the green herb. It might look like they're getting by now, <laughs> but don't be envious of them. Don't think, well, I might as well just live like an evildoer myself because it looks like they're having fun. Because here's ultimately what happens. They're going to be cut off like mowing grass one day. It's interesting, maybe I shouldn't even deal with it, but the same word talking about them being uh, mowed down or fading like, like grass, the same word used for circumcision sometimes. <laughs> you ever want to do that to wicked people? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm former law enforcement, and there have been times in my life I thought that ought to be the punishment that person gets because of what they've done. I got one of our deputies sitting here looking at me grinning, just like, amen, brother, that's what ought to happen to them. But that, that's why we don't need to be envious or worry uh, about them and, and, and maybe wish we could be like them because one day they're going to be cut down just like grass. They're going to wither like a green herb. And, and that phrase in the Hebrew means that uh, little herb, when it first starts to sprout up out of the ground and it's really tender and, and everything, and all of a sudden it, it gets in the heat and it dies. Okay, there's coming a day that all those that look like they're getting by, that look like they're having fun and, and they're doing anything under the sun that's against God's will and it just looks like they're not having to pay a price whatsoever, there's coming a day that they'll stand before the glory and the righteousness of God and they'll wither just like that little green bush when they stand before him. So that's why we, we don't need to worry about what evildoers are doing. We, we don't even need to worry about what they may do to us. We've probably watched some things on the news, some of the civil unrest, and you might have thought to yourself, well, what if I'm in one of those places and they come up and start wanting to, to treat me and, 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 and do things to me like that, like I see them doing to, to the general crowd on, on TV? Um, I, I'm, I'm a pastor, but you guys know I'm an ex-cop, so uh, I may have a surprise for them if they come up to mistreat me. Uh, I don't know. But, but, but beyond that, here, here ought to be our focus. Even if they were to take my life, I don't need to worry about it. You want to know what they did for me? They just sent me to be Jesus all the quicker. Amen? So don't worry. Don't, don't, don't be envious about what evildoers seem to be doing in our culture. Don't start thinking, well, maybe I ought to be like them. Maybe I ought to start doing what they're doing. Because there's coming a day that they will stand before the Lord. And when they stand before the Lord, it's going to be like they're mowed down like grass or like they're wither, like that green plant. Second benefit of trusting God is this. Not only can trusting God set us free from worry and envy, especially the special type we were talking about of, of someone that's doing evil, but trusting in God should motivate us to do good. Trusting God should motivate us to do good. Now, by that, guys, I'm saying this. Trusting God involves more than just showing up at church, raising your hand, saying, I love Jesus, and then go out and live your life however you want to. Our faith in Jesus ought to motivate us to do what's good. Matter of fact, verse 3 will tell us what our focus ought to be, and it'll tell us what our actions ought to be, and it tells us what our mission ought to be in verse 3. Look, look at what our focus ought to be. Our focus ought to be <clears throat> trusting in the Lord. It says trust in the Lord. That means we're running to Him as our refuge. He's our dependence. He's our confidence, and we're fleeing to Him. Our, our, our focus should be trusting in Him. Well, what better time of year for that to be true? Now, I'm not saying just trust Jesus and, and put all of your trust in Him and celebrate Him at Christmas. I'm not saying that at all. We ought to trust Him all the time, amen? But especially when we think about Christmas time and we think about what God did for us, sending His only begotten Son into this world, we ought to really, really place our trust in Him this time of year. That ought to be our focus that we're trusting in Jesus. What we've allowed the world to do is rob our focus to a worldly view of Christmas instead of our focus being upon Jesus Christ, because that's what Christmas is about. Amen? It's not about a Christmas tree. It's not about how many gifts you can buy. It's about God becoming man. That ought to be our focus, that we are to trust in Him in that way. But trust in Him ought to lead to this. It ought to lead to us doing good. Our focus is in this verse, but our actions is in this verse. It said, trust in the Lord and do good. In the Hebrew, the tense of doing good means to do good in the widest sense possible. Matter of fact, the word do means in the widest sense possible, and the word good means in the widest sense possible. So, so it's, it's as though the Lord is saying to us, hey, you really, 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 really need to do good. You need to trust in me 
and you need to do good. I think that's part of the Christmas story too, isn't it? Jesus was sent to this earth to do the greatest good possible that could ever happen for mankind. Oh, he came and he lived a sinless life and he walked around doing good toward others, healing others, ministering to others, caring for others. Yes, he did that. But the ultimate good he did for us when he went to the cross, he shed his blood on the cross for our sins. And for him to do that ultimate good for us, that ought to be a reminder in our hearts and in our lives, the way we live our lives. Guys, trusting in him is more than just saying, oh, I, I trust in him. It's this. It means we trust in him and we do good. We're following the model of Jesus. We're, we're doing good to others. But look at our mission. It says, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. The phrase dwell in the land in the Hebrew means to reside permanently. In other words, God put you there for a reason. God put the children of Israel in the promised land for a reason. He, he placed them in the promised land and, and there they were to serve him and build their lives and worship him. There were times when the, the Jews were carried away into captivity. When they were carried away into captivity, even in Babylon, instead of them withdrawing from culture, God told them this. He said, befriend the city. Minister to people in this city. Guys, it's really easy, and I understand. I, I've had the same feeling some, but it's really easy in 2020, the way things have been going, to get this mindset that, uh, man, we're just supposed to be spiritual hermits. <laughs> We're just supposed to roll up the sidewalks and kind of forget doing anything that we're supposed to be doing as Christians, not according to this verse. Guys, according to this verse, it doesn't say in good years or bad years. It just says plainly this, we are to trust in the Lord, we're to do good, we're to dwell in the land. God put us here for a reason. God put us where you live for a reason. He put you on your job for a reason. He put us in this nation for a reason. He put us in this world for a reason. We're to inhabit this land. We're to engage our culture. We're not to emulate our culture. We're not to copy the culture, but we're to change the culture that we live in. We're to live in the land, and, and we're to befriend faithfulness. The word, the word there for befriend faithfulness literally means to tend a flock, and it also meant to be friendly towards someone. Jesus, as he lived his life upon this earth, he would lead people like a shepherd, wouldn't he? And he was ten in a flock. And in the life of Jesus, as I follow his life and read his life in the Bible, you know what I find out? When Jesus saw faithfulness in other people, he encouraged it. He befriended it. He encouraged it. Do, do more. Guys, that ought to be our calling right now in the world that we live in. Don't, don't think, man, it's so bad right now. We might as well just kind of be like spiritual hermits. No, he wants us to trust in him. He wants us to do good. He wants us to live in the land. I mean, engage people in this land, carry out our mission in this land. And as we're living our lives, and if we see somebody else being faithful, you know what we ought to do? We ought to encourage it. We ought to bless them. We ought to encourage them with words to, to make them more faithful, to tend them like a flock, to befriend them to where they'll be even more faithful. That's what we ought to be about, especially at Christmas time. For, for us trusting in God, it, it has the, the benefit of motivating us to do good. The third thing I want you to see is this. The third benefit in verse 4 and 5 is that trusting in God changes hearts and ways. It changes our hearts and it changes our ways, the way we live our, our lives. Look at verse 4 and 5. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Now, before you run off and misappropriate what's said in verse 4, you need to understand something. Verse 4 is not saying... Well, as long as I delight in the Lord, as long as I worship God, as long as I, I've got this cushy feeling about God in my heart, then he has to give me everything I want. That's not what it says at all. And here's why that's not what it says. Because when it says, delight yourself in the Lord, it's telling us this, delighting yourself in God changes our desires. 
The, the word for delight in the Hebrew means to be soft and pliable. Think about that. If, if I'm delighting myself in the Lord in that way, if I'm being soft and pliable or moldable by God, if I'm like clay in his hand and he's the potter, then what happens when I delight in the Lord in that way and I'm being soft and pliable, my life is being soft and pliable before the Lord in that way, my desires become his desires. Does that make sense? That's why he can say, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart because if you are soft and pliable before him, instead of it being what you want, you want what he wants. And when you want what he wants and you're desiring what he wants and you're being soft and pliable before him, you're delighting yourself in the Lord in that way changes your desires to his desires. It's not a health and wealth message. It's a message of doing what God wants, believing what God wants for your life. And, 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 him, and him blessing what he wants, not what you want. And then it also said this. It said, commit yourself to the Lord. And as we're committing our way to the Lord, that shows that we are really trusting in Him. And when we, we do that, that invites his, his action. Look at what it says in verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. You know what the word commit means? It literally means in the Hebrew, to roll. <laughs> I read that this week, and I thought, what's that phrase that everyone's saying so much over the last few years? That's the way we, what? Roll. So the way we roll as a Christian ought to be to roll our way to his way. The, the, the word there for, for way means your mode of life, the way you're living your life. So what we're being told to do is this. We're to, to roll our way to his way. His way is to become our way. The way we roll as Christians is to be obedient to him. And when we do that, that gives room for him to act. That gives room for him to move in our lives in a positive way. If we're going to ignore his way and just roll our way all the time, guess what? He's probably not going to act the way you want him to. <laughs> but we can encourage and open up the door for him to act for him to change things, for him to change 2020, for him to change what we're facing in our life, for him to change COVID, for him to change whatever it is you're worried about, instead of fretting about it, instead of worrying about it, we need to roll our way to, to him, commit our way to him. And by doing so, that opens up the door for him to, to, to bless us in, in a bigger way, for him, to, for him to act. The fourth thing I want you to see this morning is this. The fourth benefit, the fourth result of really fully trusting in God is that trusting in God brings forth righteousness and justice. Look at verse 6. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Now remember the context of what started back in verse 1. The evildoers that looked like they're getting away with everything that look like they're enjoying life and living immoral and sinful, and maybe that makes us a little envious of them. Verse 2, remember what it said. They're going to fade and wither one day in a day of judgment, in a time before God. But you know what else is going to happen in that day? Here's what else is going to happen. God is going to show to everyone that has ever lived... <laughs> Before his throne, God is going to show this. He's going to show those who are his, those who are righteous. He's going to show his justice there before his throne. And guys, we're not righteous because of ourselves. We don't have our own righteousness. We've already talked about this in a series a few months ago. The Bible says Jesus is our what? He is our righteousness. So God one day is going to do this. At the same time, those who have been doing evil are going to fade away like grass and fade away like that tender shoot. At the same time, God is going to do this. God is going to say, these are righteous these have been made just because of what my son did for them on the cross. There is coming a day that it's going to be brought to light 
your righteousness before everyone that's ever lived, before everyone that will be there at the throne during a time of judgment. God will make light for all to see the fact that you've been made righteous through Jesus, the fact that you are just because of Jesus. And by the way, Jesus is our light too, isn't he? Last thing I want you to see is this. Trusting in God equips you to patiently wait for Him to make things right. What we're looking at is is five things that are good, great results of trusting God. And the last one is found in verse 7. Trusting God equips you to patiently wait. Look at verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Now, before I say anything else, let's be honest. Do you have a problem with that sometimes? I have a problem just with being still sometimes. Do you ever have that problem? What about patiently waiting for God to move? What about patiently waiting for God to fix things? God, why don't you fix things now? God, why don't you fix the evildoers now? Why don't you change our culture now? Why don't you send revival now? Why don't you do away with COVID now? Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself. Same thing we were told earlier, over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. We're told to be still before God. Now, you may not like the definition of the word be still. You know what the most literal translation of that word is in the Hebrew? To be dumb. (laughs) I don't like being called dumb. Do you like being called dumb? And God's not really calling us dumb. What God is saying is this. When it comes to you thinking about you can fix it, be dumb. (laughs) When it comes to you thinking like you can change everything, be dumb. Understand you can't fix it. If you think you can fix all the evildoers and all the wrongdoing in the world, be dumb about that because you can't fix it. He can, but you can't. If you think some politician or some political party is going to fix it, you're already dumb. Some of you that went over your head, you'll catch it about lunchtime. Guys, we in, in, instead of you and I thinking there's in, in, in thinking we, we just by our anger and by our frustration and, and by flaming up over everything that's taking place in our culture, fretting like we were told not to do earlier. Instead of doing that, we're, we're to understand and it, that, that we can't change it, but God can. We're to just wait before Him. We're to be astonished before Him. We're to stop and cease. We're to, we're to quiet ourselves before Him and wait patiently for him to do something about it. Now, patience is something I have a problem with sometimes. You don't believe me, you can talk to my wife, and uh, you can talk to Jessica. Jessica has been around me longer than anybody here except my wife probably, so you can ask her if I ever have a problem with patience. She's over there grinning. She got it from me, by the way. She has her own problem with it sometimes, I think. You know what it, what it means there when it says wait patiently? It's an interesting word. It means to stand in place, to wait, and twirl around or spin around as though you were dancing. The same word was used for dancing before the Lord. The same word was used for worshiping before the Lord. You're, you're spinning around foolishly, kind of before Him. That needs to be our mindset, especially in times like 2020 with all this taking place. Number one, be dumb. I can't fix it. He can. That's why I'm waiting on Him. But as I'm waiting on Him, and by the way, He will fix it one day, amen? He will make it right one day. But while I'm waiting upon Him... I'm in place. I can't really do anything about myself. I'm waiting, but at the same time, I'm dancing. (laughs) At the same time, I'm worshiping Him. I don't care what's going on. I don't care what I'm facing in my world. I don't care what pandemic might be taking place or what's going on with my family or anything. Elections, 
politics or whatever. It doesn't matter. I can't fix it. He can. He'll make it right one day. Right now, I'm waiting upon him to do that. But as I'm waiting, I'm not depressed. I'm not discouraged. I'm dancing before him. I'm dancing and worshiping him in spite of whatever's taking place. That's what the word means to do there. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't get envious of those that look like they're getting by and getting away with it. Because one day, they will not. One day, he will fix everything. You know, a lesson we need to learn in our lives is this. We need to learn this lesson. We're, God is not on our timetable. Amen? Because in our mind, when would you have had God to have fixed COVID? Hmm? As soon as you heard about it. When would you have had the shutdown to end? As soon as you heard about it. Or what other difficulty you're facing in your life? When would you have wanted God to have fixed that? As soon as you heard about it. What about the injustice in our world? All the things that we see in the news, to where it looks like there's one standard for these people and another standard for these people. When, when would you want that to have been fixed? I wish it didn't even exist. That's when I would want it to have been fixed. But God's not on my timetable. You want a picture of that? Look at this passage of Scripture that is what Christmas is all about. Galatians 4, verse 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, not when all the Jews thought the Messiah ought to come, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. The Hebrew people had known the Messiah had been promised. They had wanted the Messiah to come for years and years and years and years. But God had a set time in history, an appointed time in history. And in the fullness of time, God sent His Son to go to the cross and shed His blood for our sins so that you and I can be adopted into the family of God as His children. That's the message of Christmas. But just as surely as God had a set time, His timetable, and God acted. Man, he really acted when he said Jesus, didn't he? He will also act in the future when it comes to judgment. He's not just going to act concerning salvation. God will fully act when it comes to judgment someday. And that's why you and I don't need to sit around worrying, being angry, thinking about how we can fix it, how we want to get back at the evildoers how we want to force our culture to change because you and I can't do it. Oh, we can participate with God and do it. And you want to know how? One life at a time, one to Jesus Christ. That'll change our culture. But just sitting around worrying about it, fretting about it, being envious of evildoers won't change a thing. What we need to do is this. Instead of us worrying about things, We need to understand this. He will make everything right one day. Amen? And as we wait for him to do that, you know what we do? We dance. We dance. We focus upon him. Let's pray. Father, I, God, I just pray your forgiveness for me and over these that are gathered here for the times we've allowed this year to turn our attention away from you, to turn our trust away from you, maybe to worldly things. Father, help us to look to you. Help us to trust in you. Help us to understand that you'll make everything right one day. God, help us to trust you instead of sitting around worrying and fretting about evildoers. 
God, help us just to trust in you and instead of being envious or jealous over those that seem to be getting away and prospering in sin. God, instead of us being worried so much about the wrong that others are doing, help us to worry more about the right we're supposed to do, the good that we're supposed to do. Because we're supposed to trust you and we're supposed to do good and we're to live in this land, engage this land, engage this culture. We're to befriend faithfulness. So God, forgive us when we just get negative and we're focused upon what everyone else is doing that's wrong. God, help us focus on what we're supposed to be doing that's right. Father, we pray that you change our focus and our hearts and our desires to your desires. I pray you help us to roll our way to your way. Father, we thank you one day you're going to bring righteousness and justice completely to light for all to see. And Father, right now as we patiently wait for you to make things right, help us remember to dance as believers to worship you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you don't know Christ as your Savior today, I want you to think about the next few minutes in this light. The, the greatest gift that you could possibly ever receive is the grace of God freely giving you the very righteousness of Christ. That's the greatest gift you can ever receive. And if you don't know Christ as Savior, on this Sunday before Christmas, why not trust in Jesus? Why not receive the greatest gift you could ever possibly receive through faith in Jesus Christ? And if you already know Him, and you don't have any questions about that, you know for sure that you know Him as your Savior. But maybe in light of everything going on in our world, maybe you've been sidetracked <laughs> maybe you've been frustrated maybe you flared up a little bit maybe you've been angry about evildoers and all that's taking place in our world maybe you need to remind yourself what you need to do is focus upon him wait for him to fix things right and just dance worship him dance in place worship him as you wait for him to change things Please stand God speaks to you in some way. We invite you to come. Are you in need of greater peace in your life? It is possible, and it starts with being at peace with God. Just pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I realize I need you and your forgiveness. I invite you to be the boss of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, to love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you, and we want to connect with you. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstances, and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.